Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Evan with the message. Welcome. My name is Evan, as Derek said. I am the campus ministries pastor here at Vineyard Altoona, which means I get to work with college-age kids, which is great because I love Taco Bell at like midnight. It's great. It's perfect. Um, It wasn't in the job description, but it should have been. Um, If you're new here, I just want to say a special welcome. If this is your first time, if you're visiting with us or if if you're exploring churches and you've decided to check us out today, I just want to say welcome. We are glad you are here. No matter where you're at in your faith journey or in understanding who God is and how we are to relate to him, um, I just want to say uh, we're glad that you joined us, and I hope that, that we can get to know you a little bit before you jet out. Um, I also want to take a minute. Um, I feel like I'm very loud now. I'm, is that true? I feel like I'm reverberating a little bit. Uh, okay, all right. Um, I want to take a minute to thank all of you. Um, many of you know that my wife, Abby, and I welcomed a little boy about a month ago. Um, little TJ, Tobias James, joined us, um, and he has been a joy and a cause for anxiety and sleeplessness and all sorts of things. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've did that. Is he, is he still alive? Is he good? You know? And so far, so good. Um, but thank you so much to everybody that has loved us through this whole process, um, whether you provided a meal for us, or you cleaned our house, or you um, just, you know, gave us some encouraging words, or you had a conversation with us while we, our kids sat in the car because he cries if we're not moving, you know. Um, we just want to thank you so much. It's so good to be a part of a community um, that, that loves each other and takes care of its own, and so um, I hope that all of you can experience that same love and care um, in your lives. Um, I, I got a list here, and so I also we, we as a church want to take a minute to wish you a happy Memorial Day weekend. Um, it's, I'm, I'm glad to see so many of you here. Like Derek said, so many people are off camping. Um, but also in that, we, we want to be aware and acknowledge that there are lots of, of young men and women who have paid the ultimate price for us to be able to do this, to, to practice our faith freely and openly. Um, there, are, there are many countries in the world where um, to proclaim the name of Jesus in public with a microphone uh, is not okay, and it is a great blessing for us to be able to do this. So as you are savoring the goodness of a holiday weekend, I hope that you will take some time to honor and remember those um, who have given their lives so that we can be here and do this and, and praise God. So um, we have been working through a series called Hungry, and we've been talking about what it means to deeply desire God. And apparently I'm bringing that series to a close. Um, I found that out a few minutes ago. And so, um, but it's good because I think as I was thinking about what we're going to talk about today, I was kind of like, yeah, this is, this is, it's moving that direction. It's, it's about desiring God, but it feels like kind of a, like a a caveat, I guess. I don't know what you'd call it. So as I was, as I, I began reflecting on this, this Sunday's message, like, a month and a half ago, because I was like, I assume that once I have a child, I will be a little busier than usual, and I may want to have some things ironed out before, you know, the time comes. And so um, I I started praying about a month ago, a month and a half ago about God, what what he wanted to say to us today. 
what he wanted us to talk about. And the thing that I kept coming back to is the practice of confession. The practice of confession. Which does not immediately lend itself to like, yeah, desiring God and being hungry for him. Confession, that's it. That's the thing. Um, but I kept coming back to it. And, and for those of you that, that worship with us on a regular basis, you know that we believe in an active relationship with the Father that, that he actually speaks to us and interacts with us and, and teaches us and tells us things. And so as I was praying, I, I felt like he gave me a, a, a vision, a word, whatever you want to call it. I saw a picture of a hot air balloon, okay? And I've been sitting on this picture for, like I said, a good couple months now, actually, because I think it has, it has multiple meanings um, for a couple different situations in my life. But I got this picture of a hot air balloon. My grandfather, uh, my grandparents, Grandma and Grandpa Kephart, uh, lived in Wellsville, New York. And I don't know if anybody knows Wellsville, but there was always this big hot air balloon festival. And they'd have, like, literally hundreds of hot air balloons. And I got to go once and almost got to go up in a hot air balloon, but then the wind was too strong and he didn't. But, but I got this picture of a hot air balloon. And as I was thinking about this hot air balloon, what came to mind was not the balloon, but the basket. And attached to the basket were bags of sand to weigh it down. Now, that, that can be a good thing. It makes sure you don't just float away too far. But, but as I was praying, I got the sense that, that there were people who God had big intentions for them. That, that the sky is the limit for them. But there were things that they were holding on to that were weighing them down, that were keeping them tied down and preventing them from growing. That was the sense that I got from the Lord. And, and I felt as I, as I moved towards this Sunday that, that what the Lord wanted to do was free some people of those things, to, to give people some space to let go of those things. Because I think we, so many of us, I don't know about you, but for me, for sure, I desire God. Like, I want so much of him, but it doesn't always feel great. It doesn't always feel good. Like, like in my heart of hearts, I want to want him. You know what I mean? But I think there are things, there are sins in our lives, things that we hold on to that keep us from, from really connecting, from really moving. And I think confession is just one part of this whole process. It's not the whole, but it's part of it. And I want to offer this today um, as, an, as an opportunity. So if you've been like, man, I really, I want to grow in my faith. I want to, to, to be pursuing Christ. I want to be hungry for God, but I'm just, something's not working. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to talk about my kid a lot now. For, I think I'm going to be one of those parents. Um, I'm discovering this about myself. I've found that, there, you know, I just have like a checklist with TJ. I have to, his name is Tobias James, by the way. I don't know if I said that, but Tobias means the goodness of God, and, and we felt like the goodness of God has been very present in our lives, and so, um, but, so, TJ, I feel like I have to run down a laundry list of things that it might be, and it's like, okay, is he hungry? No. Is he have a diaper? No. Um, we did that. Is, you know, does he need to sleep? Probably. I hope so, but, and then sometimes I just get to the end of the list, and I still don't know, but I think sometimes the spiritual life is like that. We have to run down a list of, well, am I, what is keeping me? from a thing, and let's run down a list, and if we get down to nothing, then maybe we just are being called to wait. So I offer this message as, as another thing that you can think about in your walk with Christ, uh, um, something, not another thing that you need to do, but maybe this is something that God is 
calling you to do. Maybe you're holding on to something that he wants you to let go of. I believe that in Christ we find life and life to the full, but oftentimes there are sins that keep us from fully pursuing that life. The writer of Hebrews says that in our pursuit of Christ, we must throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And so with that being said, here's what I want you to walk away with today, okay? If if you hear nothing else, here's what I I want you to walk away with today. That to come to Christ for life, we must first throw off everything that hinders us, and we do so by practicing confession. To come to Christ for life, we must first throw off everything that hinders us, and we do so by practicing confession. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. If not, you can just think real hard about it. Um, and that would be good. So, um, and, and a little context before we jump in. Um, as, as we reflected this week on everything that is happening in our culture, um, Derek talked at the beginning of the service about um, uh, the traumatic instances that we have encountered in the last few weeks. Um, I, I started to get uneasy and think, well, maybe, maybe I need to change direction and focus on, on what was happening this week and and the many things that were going on. But as I had some further discussions with Derek and Jerry about where we were going, I realized something became clear to me is that, that, that the world is always going to shift and change. There are always going to be things that, that will pull for our attention. But as Derek said, we, we have to be a people who focus on Christ. We, we have a different language, a different way of relating to the world. And so the best, best, best path forward, the best path forward for us is to be people who follow Jesus, who, people who, who, who practice the way of Jesus, who lean into faith. And by being the kind of people that worship God, we will be the kind of people that can transform the spaces we inhabit by the power of the gospel. So in that spirit, we're, I, I decided to, we're going to move forward today. Is that okay? You good with that? Um, and let's move on to the most important part of this whole message, and that's the prayer, because if, if Jesus ain't here, this ain't worth it. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. God, I'd ask that you fill this place. Would you surround us with your love? God, would you fill me up? God, anything that I have that is not of you, I ask that you just take it away. That it would be unheard or forgotten or left unsaid. God, may everything that is of you be brought to the forefront. God, would you get all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And may this time together about becoming the kind of people that can worship you in spirit and truth and be the kind of people who, who bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you are familiar with the show Hoarders? Anybody? Anybody? A couple? Yeah? I love that show. 
I love it. I love it. Now, if you are a hoarder here, all love, all love. I, I, uh, you know, I thought about that as I was writing this. I was like, well, some people might actually wrestle with this. But if you've seen the show Hoarders, you know that what we're talking about is not just people who like have a lot of stuff. We're talking about people who have a lot of stuff, like floor to ceiling stuff. I watch this show and it always, it, it always boggles my mind is like the cameraman and the, and the counselor show up and they have to like crawl over piles of stuff to get into the house. My favorite one was um, they had to like climb up a pile of stuff and then go down to a doorway, but the doorway was like only about this much open, so they had to crawl through it to get to the other room. And they did, and I was like, once you walk in the door, don't you know kind of what the rest of the house is probably gonna look like? But you know, it's a TV show, so they gotta get the scene. I mean, I've been caving, and I think I've had to, I've, it's been easier than that, but it's crazy. I watched the show, and, and I just, I love it. I love it. My wife laughs at me. We'll put it on at night before we're going to bed, and it'll be like 11 o'clock when an episode ends. I'll be like, ah, I'm just going to get up and throw away some clothes right now. I just, you know, feel like I need to rid my life of something at this point, you know, and, and I, there's just something about that, and my wife and I joke, we, ha we have this running joke, and that, that I actually have, I have hoarding tendencies. It's true, and this is why I think I can talk about this, because I think I, I have the potential to be a hoarder. I could be one of those people, all right? You know, and, and I, I tell my wife, I'm just one traumatic instance away from saving Snickers wrappers or something like that. Like, you know, that's, that's my life. I, many of you know I run a restaurant downtown, and I had a, a bake case, a display case for baked goods, and I had it in my truck, and I needed the space in my truck, so I threw it in my yard um, so that I could do what I needed to do. And four months later, it was still in my yard alongside of other things I had thrown out of my truck. But I looked at that display case one day after watching several episodes of Hoarders, and I said, I am a hoarder. You know when you have a, a baked goods display case in your yard for four months, that's, that's it. I'm happy to report that that thing is long gone, okay? I've had a conversion. I've th I'm throwing everything away. Just ask Bob Dean. I, I'm selling everything. You know, you check out my Facebook page, everything is going. And what's crazy is we watch shows like this. It could be this one or any, any number of shows, but there's My Strange Addiction, and there's all these, these shows about things that people wrestle with. Or, or, or we watch true crime. I think our, our culture has an obsession with true crime because we're like, oh, man, that's, you know, this is a story about somebody that did something so heinous. But I think what's what we often do when we watch these things, we see these kind of struggles, even in the people we know. I mean, think about the people you work with. I'm sure there have been people in your life that you've thought, man, I'm glad I'm not like that person. <laughs> I don't do that thing that they do. But what, what is true is that we're all actually just a few steps away from being the kind of person that we could never imagine ourselves being. We're all just a few steps away from being the kind of people we thought we could never be. And I think scripture makes this clear. We want to think that we're, we're really great people and we have it together. 
But the truth is, is life is hard. And sin and brokenness are rampant. And when put in the right situation, we will all resort to things that make us just not great kind of people. True confession, this is me bearing my soul to you. When I, when we were leading up to having TJ, you know, we were in the hospital and they were making us watch all the videos, you know, the videos like, you know, I don't even remember all the videos now. I'm running on not a lot of sleep. You know, my wife is running on even less sleep. But, um, but I, I, confession, it wasn't until after I had a kid that I realized why everyone has to watch the Don't Shake Your Baby video, okay? You know, true story. And you might be thinking, wow, Evan, you're a terrible person. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you've got your things too. It's crazy because sometimes when you're holding your kid and he's just screaming his lungs out at your face and you've checked everything, you think, why won't you stop? I love you and I want you to stop. And you realize, I need to put this kid down and walk away for a moment. Because we're all just a few steps away from being the kind of people we can't imagine ourselves being. And the truth is, oftentimes, we take those steps and we become the kind of people we don't want to imagine ourselves being. We just get away with it. And not a lot of people know about it. I think scripture makes it clear. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The brokenness of humanity is not really something that's up for debate. You can try, but it's pretty easy to see that something is wrong with us. That something is not as it should be. Be. I just uh, studied, I was, I've been studying the Old Testament with college students in the, in the spring here, and, and we read through the story of Cain and Abel. If you're familiar with the story of Cain and Abel, Cain and Abel bring sacrifices to God. God likes Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's. And I love the warning that God gives to Cain. He says, sin is crouching at your door. Be careful, for sin is crouching your door waiting for an opportunity to manipulate you. Friends, sin is crouching at our door. It's waiting. It's waiting to take a hold of an opportunity. Ever since the Garden of Eden, humanity has wrestled with sin and its effects on our world. We, uh, as, as we study the Old Testament, with college, or they study the Old Testament with college students. I love to say that most, so many of the stories in the Old Testament can be summed up in three words: things got worse. I mean, seriously, read the Old Testament, and like half of the stories are like, and these people walked away from God and and started doing all these sins, and these people decided to follow God, but then they walked away from God, and things got worse. Time and time again throughout Scripture, we see humanity choose to defy God in his wisdom and choose to go their own way. And inevitably, their way leads to death. Matthew, at the beginning of his gospel, sums up Jesus' entire message to humanity as repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom 
of heaven is at hand. His call is for people to turn away from the ways they've been living in and turn towards his way. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I had a pastor in college at the church I went to, um, and he had a great way of talking about repentance. He had a great, and, and I'll never forget it. I don't, I don't think I ever will. He, he would say, repentance is us. We've been going our own way. And he would start walking in a direction. He's like, we've been going our own way. And to repent is to turn around and go the other way. We've been going after the things that we desire in life. We've been living by our own dreams and ambitions, unaware of God and uncaring about what God wants for our lives. And to repent is to turn around and go the other way. And it, there was something about the fact that he would act it out every time that stuck with me about life, repentance, following Jesus. It's about abandoning our own old ways of living and changing direction to God's way. Repentance is a heart posture. Repentance is a heart posture. It's, it's a direction of our heart that manifests itself in a changed life over time, okay? Let's get into that a little bit. So repentance is a heart posture, a desire to change and to turn around that manifests itself in a changed life. Somebody who fall, follows Christ will change over time, okay? It's not an immediate thing. It, it's, it's an over time sort of thing, okay? Confession, this practice that I mentioned earlier that I really want to dig into here, confession is an act of repentance. Confession is an act of repentance. Confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. St. Augustine. So using our turning around analogy, confession helps us round the corner in our lives. If we are walking our own way, confession is the point where we realize we're going the wrong way and we say, I am going the wrong way. How many of you have experienced this on a car ride where you're like, I am going the wrong way and I need to turn around? Some of you don't like to admit that and it prolongs your journey. Some of you, I don't know, maybe you live in Altoona now because you refuse to admit that one day you just went the wrong way for too long. I don't know. Uh, unlikely, but possible. Confession helps us round the corner. And here's the thing. God, this is a common understanding of God. It, it's not about wrath. It's not about judgment. Confession, God isn't sitting in some cosmic courthouse just waiting to catch us in the act. And if, if we come forward and confess, we think of it like going to the courthouse and be like, I did that thing. And the judge is like, oh, you did the thing. Now we're going to send you to jail. You know, that's not it. We serve a God of compassion and love, slow to anger. Confession is not about some cosmic courthouse where if we do it, suddenly God is going to like throw us in prison. God is the judge of all. He divides human hearts. He knows exactly what you're thinking and doing at every given moment. God doesn't need our confession. 
We need our confession. Hear that again. God doesn't need our confession. God doesn't need us to admit that we've done something wrong. He knows we've done something wrong. We need our confession. It is good for us. Listen to James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. For the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Hear that again. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Scripture encourages us to confess our sins to one another so that we may be healed. This isn't a courthouse. This is a doctor's office. This isn't about judgment. This is about wholeness. Again, being the guy that talks about my son a lot. You ready? I, uh, I am becoming something of, I guess this is me talking about me, but anyway, I'm going to go forward with it. <laughs> I have become something of a diaper-changing champion. I'm just going to say it. I'm pretty good at it, okay? Um, I mean, my son must be something like the world's urinating champion or something like that, because I swear, I changed that kid's diaper, and like two seconds later, that little line's blue again. And I'm like, what in the name? I swear, I've changed that kid's diaper like five times in like six minutes. And I'm like, so that gives you an idea of my time. Like, yeah. In confession, sometimes if he's not screaming, I don't do anything about it. I mean, most of the time. But sometimes I just don't do anything about it. If he's happy, why bother him? I've been told that doesn't make me a bad parent, um, but I'm not sure my heart posture is where I want it to be at that moment. Now, it may not be the end of the world if I don't change my son's diaper, but in that situation, until he screams, he's going to sit in his filth. He's going to sit in that dirty diaper, which is a lot like us sometimes, right? We'd rather sit in our filth and pretend that it doesn't exist. And we might even think we're okay. Friends, hear me on this one. Hear me, please. Sometimes we just sit in the mess that we've made thinking that we're okay. We've gotten so used to it that we're like, it's good. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm good. I don't need to deal with my family trauma. I don't need to deal with the fact that I hate that person. I don't need to deal with the fact that I hold on to this sin. I'm comfy. I'm good. Trust me, friends, that stuff builds. It builds up. You know how I know? Blowouts. You have kids. You might know this. I've experienced it a couple times. We have to wash our comforter today. I'm just saying. (laughs) Friends, you don't deal with that stuff. It builds up. Just like a diaper. Our lives, if we don't deal with the sin in in us, it will build. And eventually, it will come to light. And you will not be able to hide it anymore. Friends, our diapers are only so big 
and can only hold so much. One of our core values here at the Vineyard is that we pursue wholeness with authenticity. We pursue wholeness with authenticity. This is the, one of the ways that we seek to be transformed people who transform the spaces we inhabit by the power of the gospel. And what that means is not that we flaunt our diapers, okay? Again, we don't, we're not okay sitting in sin and brokenness and just saying, like, I'm, hey, I got a dirty diaper and I'm okay with you knowing it. I don't, I'm, I just so you know. But that's not what this is about. To pursue wholeness with authenticity is not about being okay with the sin in our lives and saying, yeah, I've got this thing, but God loves me and forgives me. No, it's about being honest about the stuff that is weighing us down. It's about being willing to be honest about the mess that is our lives and that honesty is the first step toward healing. Friends, sometimes the mess is not of our doing. We all encounter brokenness in life that messes us up. But the truth is, a lot of the mess is ours. We did make the mess. And sometimes we made it because we were messed up by something else. Sin, life is complicated. Confession is the front door to healing. Confession is the front door to healing. A few years ago, I was working in an after-school program in Memphis, Tennessee, and it was clear that the space that we were using was also used at another time for AA meetings. Um, uh, and on the wall was a copy of the 12 steps of AA, and I found myself just fascinated by it. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous or, or NA, Narcotics Anonymous, any of the 12-step programs for escaping addiction, but, but the 12 steps, if you read them, they're incredible. They're absolutely incredible because the entire thing is basically an invitation to healing through the gospel. Like, you know, the, the, the language is different, but the process is the same, you know? You know? So you read these 12 steps, and you're like, man, this, this sounds a lot like what I read in scripture. Here's step one. This is step one of Alcoholics Anonymous. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Now, I've, I've not actually been to a 12-step meeting, but I can imagine that at many of these meetings, they, they recite this. We've admi we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. The first step of AA is confession. Confession. I had a friend, Mike Thornhill, he used to say, you have to name it to tame it. You have to name it to tame it. You can't deal with something you haven't acknowledged exists. Now, truth that I've leaned into over the last few years is that we are embodied people. We're not brains on sticks, okay? There was a prevailing thought for some time that if people only knew the right answers, if they could think the right answers, then they would do what was right. Now, obviously, that's a myth. We know that. What is true is that despite knowing what is right, people 
often do what's wrong. Uh, The philosopher Jamie Smith wrote a book titled, You Are What You Love. In it, he he made an argument that it's, it's not what we think that dictates who we are, it's what we love. It's what we give ourselves to. Have you ever heard the phrase, I can tell you what you love if you show me your day planner and your checkbook? I think there's some real truth to that. You are what you love. The story, I was, I was up early this morning. I'm, I'm up early most mornings now. Um, Abby uh, has to be up most of the night, and so usually in the morning I try to get up and take TJ downstairs, and we kind of just, you know, let her sleep a little bit, and, and we just hang out and watch TV or do whatever. But I woke up early this morning and decided to go out and get some coffee because I was out of creamer. And so, so TJ and I, we got in the car, and we drove to Starbucks to get some coffee. And uh, when we were on w- our way back, I thought, man, let's get some breakfast, too. Breakfast would be great right about now. So we stopped at Martin's, and we got groceries, and we came home, and we made breakfast. And I thought to myself as I was driving back from the store, I was like, man, it's such a beautiful day out. Like, it's just such a great morning. It's a beautiful, and I just love this right now. Like, that's my happy place, like, on my way back with food. <laughs> like, that, I like that place. And I thought to myself, you know, if I was the kind of person who liked running, I would probably have gone running this morning. That would have been my happy place on a bright, shiny day. That's what I imagine Jeff's life is like. Jeff's life is like. He's just, like, Jeff wakes up in the morning, and he's like, let's run. (sighs) No, thank you. But I love food. Now, Jeff might also love food, but I love food. I'm the kind of person who makes breakfast sandwiches in the morning. Now, not that there's anything wrong with those things, okay? I'm not trying to, to make a comment there about exercise versus food. All things are good, given by the God who is good and loves to give good gifts when used properly. I'm simply saying that we are the kind of people we give our lives to, okay? We are the kind of people that we give our lives to. And our calling is to be transformed into the kind of people who follow in the way of Jesus. Our calling is to be the kind of people who follow in the way of Jesus. Listen to Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Friends, here is where I'm headed. Friends, we are called to be the kind of people that live full lives. We are formed and shaped by our context, by our culture. And confession is an act of repentance. That when we are going our own way, when we have given ourselves to the things that we love that are not good, confession 
is an act of turning. Confession is the first step in saying, I've been walking this way, I've been pursuing this thing, but the truth is, I'm going the wrong way. And I want a different life. And when we do that, when we acknowledge that, Christ comes and helps us turn the other way. I want to give you an example as I close. Now, we certainly, um, we certainly can think about private confession. Uh, many of you have probably practiced this in your life. That in your quiet times, you have confessed to the Lord the things that are on your hearts, the sins that you have held dear. Private confession is good, helpful, and worth your time. But what I want to think about a little bit is confession that is embodied, that is practiced with, in community, in a corporate setting. And it's in that vein that I want to tell you this story. Um, I am a recovering porn addict. Some of you may know this. I don't shy away from it. But I'm a recovering porn addict. I suffered for a long time with a, a pretty severe addiction to pornography, at least by my standards. Others would say it wasn't that severe, but for me, it was, it was gripping, and it, it crippled me, the amount of shame that it produced in my life and the hold it had over me. You see, for many, many years, I had been formed and shaped by the culture. I had been formed and shaped by my parents and the practices they gave me of faith, which were helpful and a solid foundation. Parents, don't give up on the foundations you're building in your kids. I'm learning that. But in addition to that, I had been formed and shaped by a dominant culture that said, your sexuality is the pinnacle of your existence. Your sexuality is the pinnacle of your existence. If you are not expressing, expressing yourself sexually, you are not really living. That was the message that was being pumped into my brain through movies, through TV, through all sorts of different channels. The culture was telling me that this is what is important in your life. And I was gripped by it. And, and here's the thing I found out is that, that so many other people are gripped by it. I can talk about it pretty openly in this setting, because I know there are probably a lot of you who wrestle with the same thing. And if you're not wrestling with that, you're wrestling with a shopping addiction. Or maybe your family life is, is so dysfunctional that, that you don't even know where to begin. Or potentially, you know, I mean, there's, there's hundreds of things it could be. You see, I found healing when I was able to confess my sins to another human being. I broke down. The shame had gripped me so tightly that I couldn't function anymore, and I just, I just snapped. And I began to confess my sin to a pastor, that's where I started, and then to a friend, and then to more friends in a, in a small group setting, like AA, I found help. As long as I kept it secret, shame found a home. 
But over time, I was reminded by those who loved and cared for me that I wasn't alone. And that despite my sin, I was loved and accepted. Not just as I am, but despite what I'd done. They weren't okay with my sin. They weren't like, oh, it's okay, you're fine. You can do that. It's not really harmful. That's not what it was. They said, yeah, but you know what? In Christ, there's hope. You see, as I confessed it over and over and over and over, time and time again, sitting in support groups saying, hey, my name's Evan. I'm a recovering porn addict. Here's what I've been wrestling with this week. I began to find freedom little by little. It didn't come all at once. There were moments where it felt like I was done with it, but then it would rear its head again, and I'd have to confess again. This is what Jesus does for us. When we come to Christ, when we confess our sins, he offers forgiveness, not judgment. He offers wholeness, not punishment. Confession is about love. He breaks the power of sin and shame and allows us to be formed through confession into the kind of people who hunger to be like him. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.